Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. I'm going to speak to you about the theme of the class. And as I mentioned, uh, it's oriented towards the feet. Let's see how that goes this morning. And we hold a lot in the feet. As I mentioned, we can hold rigidity, bitterness in the feet that keep us anchored to where we are and unwilling to change. And often that's often that is based in the past. We're stuck in the past, unwilling to move. Feet won't move. And so there's a loss of joy, a loss of love that comes from being so rooted in our feet and having the unwillingness and inability to move at times. And so the idea is to build relationship to your feet and so you can move. And so they can be a vessel in which to change. They move us, yes, but are you changing? That's a different kind of question. And this practice of yoga is designed to change. It's designed to change you. Every pose is that. You're changing a new shape. And that's a problem. That's one of the ways in which I see yoga. It's a problem. Every pose is a problem. So how do you fix the problem? And we have lots of problems. Perhaps you've noticed that. And so the idea is to become a master of a problem solver in your practice. And if you can do that on your mat, then you can take that out into the world and solve some of the problems that you have. And we all have our own unique set of problems. There's no escaping that. So I'm going to walk you through some distinctions. And my teaching approach is designed to support two perspectives, you could say. And they're contradictory. One is I call the cycle of dis-ease and where it takes us into malevolence and denigrates us. And the other side is the cycle of immunity where we're at our best, healthiest, aligned to our values and moving forward very intentionally. And that's what you'll get from my teaching. I'm going to build out two sides of the equation consistently. We're both sides and we get to choose which side we get to live from. And the yoga practice is designed to support that choice where you want to live from. Suffering or perhaps less suffering. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. We're going to suffer no matter which way we go, but the idea is perhaps we can suffer less. So I'm going to walk you through these. So to take your place in the world, that's one distinction, one perspective. The other is to, de to denigrate your place in the world. And think of this as the mind speaking to your body. Oh, that mind has lots to say to the body. That's for sure. And it goes something like this. I'm the worst person that anybody can be. No one is as flawed, concerned, confused, socially awkward, unlovable, dot, 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 pathetic, weak, unworthy as me. Nobody. It's me. I'm the worst. Clearly. Nobody else seems to be as messed up as me. Mind speaking to the body. This is not good. I must do something. I know. I'll construct a persona to hide my vulnerabilities and protect myself from harm. I'm just going to build out a different version of myself and see how that goes. I can't be that. Nobody would accept me if I'm that. So I must be something other than this. And so that's what I'll do. I'll build out this side of myself that clearly and hopefully 
somebody who'd find me acceptable enough that will keep me around. And if they never see me, how I think of myself, then I'll be safe. I won't be harmed. Body, I need you. You have to listen to me. We're not safe. And the mind is saying that. You're not safe. You're not safe. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust other people. The world is dangerous. You gotta look out for this. You gotta look out for that. We're not safe. We must distance ourselves from people. And so just to keep that nice barrier in between us, just in case, just in case something goes wrong and I have enough space that I can protect myself. And however I'll do that, I'll pounce at you, I'll freeze you out, I'll run. Whatever I need to do to protect myself, I will. Because you're not safe. Yeah, sure. Okay. Mind to body. Listen, this is good. If we're so nice, then people will have to accept us. This is good, body. Let's adopt this strategy. Let's just be so nice and bat our eyes and do nice things for people. Surely people will accept us. And if they accept us, they'll keep us around. And in that, perhaps I'll feel safe. You must do that. Be nice. And only nice. Or if we're so perfect, we'll have, people will have to accept us. Somebody, nobody could possibly discard something as perfect as me if I'm playing out this role. And so if I'm nice, if I'm perfect, clearly and surely people will accept me for who I am. We must be both. Ah, oh, it's so brilliant. Body, it's so brilliant. This will work, clearly it'll work. All that's needed is to let me be in control. I've got you, I promise. Making deals with the devil is one way of seeing this. And how your mind speaks to your body. And if you've ever paused for a few minutes to contemplate the conversation or to really listen how you speak, how the mind, how your mind speaks to your body, oof, it is unrelenting and brutal at times. Have you noticed that? And one of the ways to look at relationship to mind and body, the mind wants to be in control. And the body is simply there to be of service. One of the ways in which we can, one of the reasons why we weaken our body by not being in it in some ways and treating it so poorly at times. You don't get my attention down there. Just shut up and do your strategies. Remember? I'm control. I'm in control. I've got you, I promise. And what that can lead us to. And it's problems in the body. You don't get my care. You don't get my tenderness. I don't love you. You just shut up and you are there. I will starve you. I'll overeat you. I'll drown you, I'll dehydrate you, I'll oversleep you, undersleep you, whatever, until you shut up enough 
and you pay attention enough, and more specifically to me because I'm in charge. And that's how we denigrate ourselves. We're less embodied than we could be. And this beautiful practice of yoga is designed to get you in your body, which is no simple task. And in part, you have to wrangle and grapple with your mind and how you've designed your mind to be in this relationship at odds with each other. And that's the attempt, some union, mind and body. And the body has a voice. And that's the attempt to get into your body so you can listen to the voice of your body. And what you'll notice is it contradicts the mind. <laughs> that's the opposition. And it is a fight. And it's a worthy fight. You may have this perspective that yoga is peaceful. It is not that. <laughs> Maybe that's an outcome, perhaps. But it is not peaceful. You are a war. And the idea is that you take yourself on that way. That you're in a noble fight. And what you're fighting for is your life. And that is absolutely true. You let your mind take over fully. You already know where you're going. Nowhere good. You've already experienced that somewhere in your life. Absolutely. You know, I think of strategies, being nice and being perfect. These strategies I've played out because they were taught to me. And I see them as meek and timid in some ways, you know, playing out the nice role, meek and timid. And then it's something like abrasive and forceful is being perfect. You know, it's like there's abrasiveness to it and it's like forceful. It's like, I got to do stuff. <laughs> Get out of my way. I got to perfect things. And how I've seen those strategies play out. I would say I got the meek and timid approach from my father and the more abrasive and forceful approach from my mother. But how I've employed them in my life is interesting. Because I would say I, I have been more meek and timid towards women and more abrasive and forceful towards men. And that's tormented me, I can assure you. <laughs> because it hasn't given me any access to what I truly wanted was to be in relationship because the strategy was leading the way. So I wasn't actually in relationship. It was this persona that I built out. Not only was I out of touch, people couldn't feel me, so they couldn't touch me. And it's the perfect strategies, perfectly out of touch. And we all have these strategies we play out. And you wanna know which one's predominant. Are you the nice one that plays out the nice card all the time? Or are you more designed to be the perfect one? You have to be perfect, everything's perfect. <laughs> and that's an interesting question to ask. And that's what I'm gonna ask right now. Which one do you relate with more than the other? Do you tend to be perfect, perfect? Or do you play the nice card? Who's got something to say about that? Surely someone, don't leave me hanging. We're both, yeah, we're both definitely, and I love that answer, one's more predominant, one's more predominant, we'll shift. I gotta be nice here, I gotta be perfect there. It's like wherever you, whatever strategy you need to be useful and have a place in the world. Who's got something to say? Oh, what's that predominant strategy? 
I want this to be interactive our time together. Okay. Yep. Okay, good. The nice card. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Who else? Oh, give me something out there. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Yep. Okay. Very good. So want to be abrasive. <laughs> okay, good. It's a great example. So you play with the nice card. Very good. <laughs> Amazing discipline. Yes. What do you have? Uh-huh. Perfectly nice. Yeah. Yeah. That can be it for sure. This is an important question because it gives you access to something, not only how long standing the strategy is and where it comes from, which is important, how often you use it. And you want to know that because you attempt to employ it in your practice. And so you may convince yourself that you're doing something good for yourself on your yoga mat, but in reality, what you're doing is strengthening and reinforcing a strategy that doesn't work for you. And that's predominantly what I see. That's tough. And so the idea is you want to confront these strategies. And an element of that is you have to be honest with yourself, which is very difficult to be if you've noticed. Very difficult to be honest. And so the mind has a different outcome in <laughs> the mind has a different outcome in mind for you. And so the attempt is to get into your body and feet will be the focus and take your place in the world. And so this message is from body to mind, different message. I've become so distorted and far away from what was once normal togetherness. Togetherness was once normal. I don't go back. It's too uncomfortable. So once what was once normal togetherness is no, no, no longer normal. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable to be, to be together here and too uncomfortable to be together out here. And so we're fractured and fragmented and that becomes the new normal. That it feels normal to be fragmented and out of sorts. Strange experience. I am separate from everything. Nothing feels quite right. And it hurts. And damn rights it hurts. The body hurts because it is deprived. That's what ends up happening. We can deprive our body. And it hurts. Perhaps you're starting to notice that as you age. <laughs> as we age, these things, oh, these past hurts have a voice. And more than a voice, they have a grip and they're gripping you, certainly your body. And they have a lot to say, like you can't get away from me anymore. You've ignored me long enough and now it's time for you to pay attention. And the idea is not to wait for that to occur. And that's the tendency. We push off and avoid, push off and avoid until we can't and we can no longer do that because we have an experience happening in the body and it's urgent. And we have a tendency of blowing out where we're weakest, where we've been storing experiences in the body until 
it can't hold it anymore and it blows out. And however that shows up. Mind you need to stop your games and power grabs. Your strategies have caused too much dissidence and suffering. So stop it up there. I've had enough. You promised to take care of me and you have not. You've done the opposite. And I'm not pleased with you. Remember, you're nothing without me. It's time to mend and heal before it's too late. And what's too late? You get to define what's too late. We all do. But we've let the mind play games with us and power grab wherever it can, and it will. What's too late? What's too late is death. And that's waiting for each of us. And without this being aligned, it can be a premature death. And how unfortunate that is. And it's often full of suffering and brutality, that kind of life. You no longer have untrammeled expression over me. I'm taking back my rightful place. And that's what's so important, is the body needs its rightful place. And to sensitize your body in a very different way so you can have its listening. That's often one of the things that leaves the quickest is listening. Listening in the body. And we just listen to up here. And that's not the idea. Full body listening. And so that's what you're after through your practice is how to get to yourself and specifically your body so you can listen to it. Because it has a unique message to you. A unique message for you, I would say. And it's telling you everything you need. That's what's so extraordinary. Which is something like stop fooling around. <laughs> just come to me. I'm waiting for you. I am safe, you will be safe. And to get that experience, to feel that experience in body is the very experience we're after, to feel safe in body. And it's such a striking experience. And when you've had it, you know what it feels like. And it's the very thing we're attempting to get back to is to feel safe on our body. And that's why this practice is so extraordinary. It's designed, to do, designed just to do that get you in your body so you can feel safe. So at the end of this practice, you've become something. Something you've been chasing outside of you. Through all the means and practices and strategies outside of you, outside of you, outside of you. And so in some ways, it's like a homecoming. And to hold it that way. And will it be easy? Of course not. <laughs> How could it be? The consideration is you've been disembodied for many years and it's going to take some time for you to come back to your body. And you have to be disciplined in that regard and to support yourself with practices that are designed to get you in your body. And there's no better focus than that. So let me ask you a question. What are you looking to feel here? What are you looking to feel here during your time here? Something brought you here? Not some random event? Mary didn't kidnap you, I don't think. 
What are you looking to feel during your time here? I'm gonna ask you, safe. Thank you for that. I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions. Alive, yes. Do I ask a lot of questions, Camilla? Yes. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> Part of it is declaring it, declaring what you want, and then you can own it. Language is very powerful, very powerful. Thank you. Say it again. Enlightenment. Thank you for that. What is that thing you're after? What do you got? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Peace. How fitting. Peace, peace, retreat. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Want to have something and orient yourself towards something on your mat. If you're not consciously choosing, what you are is you. And that's the problem. You got to stop choosing you as you know yourself to be and to choose something other than who you are right now. And let that be your guiding principle in your practice. Let that move you forward and let it change you. That's the attempt of this practice to claim your rightful place. And that's defined. Some of you just said it out loud. It's a defining moment. That's how you take for, take your rightful place. And so let it be so. You ready to practice? Okay, let's do it.